Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody out. We got quite a few more since Bible class has come in here and be a part of our worship service this morning. It's great to see everybody out. It's always pleasing to see a great number come out to worship God and be a part of Him and worship today. Um, my lesson title this morning is what you should get out of church or what do you think you're getting out of church? That thought right there. And uh, for Brother Greg, I'll try to hold it down. Brother Greg gave me an order a minute ago. He said try to hold it down a little bit and try to keep it short. He said, you know, he didn't want to fall asleep on me right there. I know uh, that reminded me when he was joking around with me right there. It may have been a joke. I don't know. But... Uh, Years ago when I first started uh, preaching, it was uh, Free State was one of the places I preached. I would fill in uh, for the ministers up there. And uh, Bob Lee Dudney, I don't know if many of, some of you may remember him or not. Bob Lee, he'd always tell me, he'd always give me an indicator of how I did that day. As he'd say, well, you know, he'd give me how many minutes it was before he fell asleep into my sermon every day. So he'd say, you improved today. You know, it was maybe 10, 15 minutes before I fell asleep today or something like that. So it just remind me of that when he was telling me that right there. What should we get out of church, though? What really should we get out? Because it sort of goes with our lesson, you know, our Bible study lesson. Well, incidentally, oh, be back with us tonight. Be back with us tonight. My lesson, I'll tell you what my lesson title is. It is the scariest passage in the Bible. Uh, and that's, of course, my opinion, too, on that right there. But it's the scariest passage in the Bible uh, for us to deal with. So be back for that one tonight. Uh, what should you get out of church? Sort of goes with what we were talking about in Bible study this morning about evangelism. And now we're bringing it into the church itself in which it all is in the church. You might say to these fact, well, this is what they need to be doing, or they, well, you know, they, it is us. We are the church in this. So when anything I'm talking about, it's us. It's you and I that we're talking about there. It's disturbing to me when I talk to people or listen to people to talk about this, you know, about worship. I have to go to church today. You know what? I, I have to go. I have to go I have to go is I don't know it's one of my it's one of my irritating things you don't have to do nothing you need to choose to go to worship right here you choose from your heart to go to worship I know many times we think we have to go we have to go well you don't have to do nothing it is a privilege to be here today it is a blessing that you can go out and worship your almighty God it is a privilege that we can worship him, our creator, today. Look at it when you get up on Sunday morning. Look at it, and even as the week builds up to the first day of the week right there, what a privilege you have to worship the almighty God on this glorious day that he has blessed us with. It is always a privilege that we have to worship him in this. I know, why should, what should we get out of church as we come here at Center Grove this morning, what are you expecting to get out of worship? Uh, there's a variety of things you might say that, you know, this experience of worship, that you should get this out of this or out of this church service. Or like me, I'm visiting today. I'm a visitor here today through this congregation. What should I get out of it? What should I get out of it? 
Many of you might be saying back there, and you're not saying it maybe out loud, but you're saying, I'm not getting nothing out of this. I'm not getting nothing out of it. I am bored uh, already. I've still got Greg awake over here, old, but uh, we might think in our mind, you know, we might be bored about something. I'm ready to get home and eat today. You know, I know what we're having for dinner. I just can't wait to get home and eat. Our Titan's going to be on later. Uh, I need to get on my phone. Uh, start playing around on my phone, uh, whatever it may be in that right there. <coughs> Many times we're out there searching. You know, what we get out of worship or out of church right there is the fact that we go around and we're doing a lot of searching, meaning the fact I go here and I'll worship for a while, I go here and worship for a while. We're doing a searching in this right here, trying to get something out of it. Because we're saying, I'm not getting anything out of worship when I go there. Well, first and foremost, before I go any further with this lesson, uh, worship is about God, first of all. We have come together today, and if you, I hope you've not come no other purpose. First and foremost, you're here to worship the Almighty God. That's what worship is about. That's what the word even worship, we assign worthiness to God in this worship and glorify Him by being here today. I always said this about worship. If you come with the right mind and you come with your bucket full to give out, you know, pour it out to God and worship, you know, watch your bucket's running over when you leave too right there because God gives so much back in return when you give worship to him. He, he builds you up so much in worship. You're here to glorify him, but he's giving it back to you all the way in this right here. I know we all have expectations what we get out of our service unto God and our worship service in this. Uh, there is things that we should get. We should be prepared to come to worship. We should come here to glorify God, and God gives us something back in return. We have certain expectations, and as I made mention of this morning, we have this so much, and people are searching for today, I call it the entertainment gospel. We are looking for the entertainment gospel. We want to be entertained because everything about our lives, we're entertained constantly. If I'm sitting down, I want TV on or you're on your phone, you're doing something, you want to be entertained constantly by something. And when we're coming here, we want to be entertained at the same time. So we're searching for that entertainment. People are searching through denominations throughout uh, this county and other counties. They're searching in this right here. If they don't receive it here, they're going to find it somewhere else or go looking somewhere else in it. <coughs> that doesn't mean to the fact that if we're teaching, preaching, and worshiping God according to his will and his word, that's what we need to keep doing too. That's what we need to do in that. I don't want that to be implied that we should be changing anything about that. It's where here's where it's got to change. It's our thinking and our attitude about worship is what's got to change. I think we're all guilty of it in some form and fashion that it happens to us. Um, we, come, we think we're coming to worship to get something. Well, you do. If you do it right, if you come the right manner, you will get something out of it. But you first and foremost, you come to give. You're coming to give to God. It would sign the fact your life and him and worthiness in this worship. 
That's partly about why we have assembled together today and this morning. And I want to look at some things that we're searching for when we're here within our worship. We have this idea that we come together and worship today to the fact that, well, we're searching, but we're searching for that sense of God's presence. I'm going to tell you, first of all, uh, doors might be locked back there, but uh, we didn't lock God in right here. We didn't lock him in. We leave here today and them doors get locked. We didn't lock God up in here again, you know, hold him up until tonight. God's everywhere. Now, we have come together in this convenient place today at Center Grove and this, inside this building to worship the Almighty God. We're worshiping him, and I'm going to tell you his presence is here today. His presence is absolutely here today. We have come together with the saints. If you have prepared yourself right, he, he's here, even within you today. It amazes me, and I'm, I'm going off a little subject right here. Have you ever read the book of Psalms, reading through the book of Psalms? And uh, you read, and it's some of the titles it's got underneath, you know, David was doing this at this time and things like that. You know, get over into the hundreds, and it's got the Psalm of Ascents or degrees, depending on which version you're using. And this is what the Israelites would do in those psalms right there. Okay, it come up to feast times of the year. Now, three feasts they were absolutely to be at every year. It might take them a week to get to Jerusalem. You know, it might take them a day. It depends on where they live throughout it. But as they would all join together and they're all going in groups towards Jerusalem and you're ascending up to Jerusalem because it's up on top of the mountaintop, they, this is what they sung, however long they were going. This is the songs they sung on the way. So when they got to Jerusalem, they were ready to worship. They were prepared to worship when they come together to meet God there. I think that's something we, Sundays, we need to be prepared to worship God. When we get up on Sunday mornings, whether you're reading the word of God, if you're singing together, as uh, Brother Roger was leading his songs, even when we're singing together at home, praying. Have your mind ready when you get here, that you're here to worship the Almighty God. Hebrews, as we read a moment ago, Hebrews, the 10th chapter and verse 24, we need to consider even each other in this right here. We're trying to stir each other up in love and good works. According to admonition, it's beyond that, or even it's a warning to the fact you're not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is a command of God that we're to be here not only be here, you should be prepared because we have already considered one another. We have been trying to provoke one another throughout this week. We're exhorting one another as we get up to this day of worship. Now, it should be an admonition to the fact even that we don't want to not be here. Uh, we don't want to quit coming. It, it, this is where we should be because we're Christians. This is where we need to be because we are Christians. I know it becomes a habit, and that is a certain motivator within this right here. But after a while, habit comes habit, and you're not worshiping God the way you need to be. It's more than that. You stir up from inside of you, according to his word, from inside of you, and pour out yourself in this worship. You see, it so many times the denominational world they'll build these huge elaborate buildings right there 
some of them many hundreds of years old now that you look at. You see the great architecture that they had, or how they built a building, is, and statues everywhere all through it there, gold and other things that are through it. They're wanting you to experience something when you go inside the building right there. Something that you think God is majestic, just like his building's majestic. Mighty and mis uh, mysterious, and I'm not saying that's what we need to do, because it's not. That's not what we need to do. God is everywhere. It doesn't take a building to show this, his majesty in this. Paul says in Acts 17, chapter, in verse 29, in this, Therefore, and this is when he's at Mars Hill, I mean, and he's at Athens here and he's preaching, uh, teaching the Athenians about God. Therefore, since we are in the offspring of God, we all not think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art in man's device. You know, it's not something that man has created in this. God is beyond this right here. <coughs> We're human beings. We are not going to produce that of something of God. That's adultery in that. In John 4, chapter, verse 24, he informs us there, Jesus does about, as he's talking to the woman, uh, God is a spirit in this, and they that worship him must worship him in his spirit and truth. <coughs> now, how do you have the God experience and worship? It's almost sounds like a denomination when you try to say it that way. And I don't like saying it that way. If you come with the right attitude of worship of God, you will. God lives within you, and yes, you experience him in this. <coughs> Many tried to come about with the fact, as I said, elaborate architecture. Try to make you feel like you're in the presence of the Almighty God in it. Many changed the music. They changed music into instrumental music and try to make it more accommodating to what people want and more other things of entertainment gospel in this. Uh, trying to make something spectacular, you know, come about. Or bring up something of high emotion. You know, bring about a lot of emotionalism in the worship service. So the fact that, you know, people are going to almost a hysteria within the worship there. And thinking, this is God. Now, this is not God. We should be stirred with emotion today. I, well, don't get me wrong with that. I feel like we all should be stirred with emotion in that. First century church had no elaborate buildings. In fact, they probably didn't even worship in a building. To, it probably was in tombs and other places. It, it was not a building just built for that purpose and that reason right there. Uh, they did not use instruments of music because it was not commanded and still not commanded in the word of God. They did not do things of this nature that try to stir up, you know, purposely things of emotion um, and sensationalism and within the worship there. God was in the worship, though. God was in the worship there. They had this deep conviction within them there that they were close to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They came to him in truth according to his word there. Their heart was in tune with him, and they took action with it. Now, you might agree with me on this, the fact that 
You might say, well, those people of the first century, many of them knew Jesus too. They could have known Jesus. They were still living at the time. Many of them might could have grown up with Jesus. <clears throat> they might have lived and uh, seen his death, burial, and resurrection even in that fact. And uh, according to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, first part of it says to the fact that, you know, there were some still alive. You know, as Paul's talking about, they had seen these things. Well, you might even say uh, the apostles themselves, many of them were might still be alive, you know, in this early time period. And they were teachers, firsthand knowledge of Jesus. There had been with Jesus. It's going to still take more than that. I would love to be in the presence of Jesus. I won't deny that. But I am today, yo. I'm still in his presence. That's why we're here today. We're still in his presence. We're here to the fact that God sent his son to die for us. His sin, our sins, he took our sins upon him and died at Calvary. We have his forgiveness in this. We had lived in total darkness in our life, just like the ones described throughout the Bible who were living in paganism. We have lived out in this world away from him, in our sins and draw nigh unto him by the light of our life, Jesus Christ our Lord, and his saving gospel. You won't get something out of worship, that's what you get out of worship. It ought to be so much overpouring of gratitude in your life that you have been saved in this. The truth, truth is what we get today. Truth is very freeing of us. Truth frees me from sin. It frees me from death. It frees me from this hocus-pocus of man's doctrine that's out here in this world today. First century Christians, I know, they even believed that, well, some of them, according to Paul's writing and some of the other day, that, you know, they thought Jesus coming right then, you know, here soon, when it says soon, soon, soon. They thought they would see it any moment. Well, I think you still got to live that way no matter what. You still live that way. Jesus can still come at any time. We need to live that way. In John 14th chapter, verse 9, and I loved 14th chapter of John for a lot of reasons right there. He talks about so many things in it, about uh, the mansions of God, about uh, it's so personal about Jesus. So I really, I really love the fact of what he says there in the early parts of it. But John, the 14th chapter, verse 9, Jesus said unto him, uh, to the fact, Have I not been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Uh, Philip's asking here, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll believe you. It will suffice us. It's enough. Just show us God. Have you... Philip, you've been with me all this time. Don't you know anything what I've been trying to say? He that have seen me have seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You've seen the Father all the time. I'm his son. I'm here right now. You see Jesus. You see God. You see us today. You should be seeing Jesus who you're seeing God. Even through us today. For you being here at church today. 
your experience in worship of the Almighty God here. It's not about the architecture, not about emotionalism or anything like that. It's about you giving of yourself unto the Almighty God. And even we draw nearer to the Father because of it. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, here in a moment we're going to moralize this and bring that communion to our mind to that fact and replay it in our mind as we partake of the Lord's Supper. We have the teaching of the writers, the inspired writers of the Word of God. We have that as we have studied together and learning how to apply that to our lives. We, <coughs> we reflect upon the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that blood-stained cross there, and how I obtain forgiveness, how I obtain forgiveness. And I remember, even as this is going to bring up in a remembrance, I remember that Jesus is coming back. He left and he is coming back. He is returning and that's why I worship my almighty God. It's not really this denominational view of a God experience in this. <coughs> we need to come and draw ourselves uh, near unto God because we're given of ourselves unto God. Maybe if we're not, it's the fact that we're not coming assembling with him, as we read a moment ago in Hebrews 10 and 25. We're not taking of the communion as we should be because we're not here. We're not obeying his teachings. And we're living in that life of sin there. We need to remember him. Remember him always, but remember that is some why we're here. By assembling together, also we get this sense of a direction. You are walk through a bookstore, and no, I know there's not many people see a bookstore anymore because everything's online, but books of me, and you walk through it, you go through there, and you self-help books. Man, I mean, there is, you, whatever help you need, you can find a book, hundreds of books directed towards that right there to help you with your life and directions that you may be wanting. But I'm going to tell you, God's the one that wants to help you. Uh, God's the one that wants to help you and direct your life. When a person leaves the worship services there, a person should have a sense of direction. When we leave here in 20, 30 minutes right here, we should have a sense of direction where we're going. And it's not home or Helens to eat or something like that. I mean, in our spiritual lives, we have a direction that we're going in in this. Our leaders of the church should be helping guide us in that same direction there and seeing that the word of God is ministered and brought forth in this right here. When Jesus taught, Jesus taught with a purpose in mind. There was an end goal within this right here. People would hear his words, they would believe on it, they would repent in their lives. They would turn about in their lives. Something positive was, should be happening with this. When people come to worship, we're here to worship the Almighty God. We're here even fact, because I know I need answers in my life. I'm, I'm a sinner and I needed Christ's blood. I'm here for that reason. I need direction. I need confirmation <coughs> in my life. I need encouragement from God, but I need your encouragement also there. 
And if we don't receive some of these things, we feel like we wasted our time and we head somewhere else in this. In 2 Timothy 3rd chapter, verse 16 and 17, uh, Paul's writing to the young preacher Timothy there, and he's saying all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's proper for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You come to worship, you're getting equipped in here, ready for this. We need to be equipped. We're lacking in our lives. We need more being, a, being equipped by God here. Sometimes I need to be rebuked. Well, we come together and we can be rebuked. We need to be exhorted. We need chastisement at times there. We need to be better. We need to be better. And within worship, we can help us to make us better. God has given, well, first of all, to our local government and, well, to the government throughout the world. Romans, the 13th chapter, he talks there, God instituted the governments of the world. It's their right and responsibility to protect society. Make laws, protect society. God has given the family. And Genesis 2, we'd, you could start there, and there's multiple passages we could use on talking about it. But he's given the family the right and responsibility to establish a home, raise children. But he has only given to the church the right and the task of saving souls in this, providing a moral compass to direct us in the way of truth and how I am to live. Paul tells us, uh, just backing up the verse prior to this, he says the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It is through the church is the supporter, the uplifter. It is the one that is containing all within this. I don't apologize whatsoever for what's happening in church. The church upholds truth and preaches truth. That's what it should be doing so that we all will be stronger. Also, church and worship should provide a sense of belonging. I think this is what lacks, it's what goes on with a lot of people's lives right here. It's the lack of belonging. It's the fact that we all need somebody. We all want to belong in this right here. You know, people that have done surveys about religion and things like that, they come back and really, you know, what's lacking, well, they say what's lacking is the sense of belonging. You need, there's something lacking in your life, and you need something to fill that void right there. And that's not surprising. Traditional family units is pretty well gone. You know, it's not nowhere near what it was maybe when we was younger. Uh, I was very blessed. I knew my grandparents, even though most of my great-grandparents, I had a firm establishment built around me in that. I was very blessed in that. But... Many don't know who their mother and father is, and you know, and being even that fact right there, uh, they need some sense of belonging in that. People, I'm told, that even within worship, they move on from a different form, you know, somewhere else. Every four to five years, I think, move somewhere. So we're always making uh, new friends, you know, around us all the time. We know sad statistics about marriage and divorce. Uh, one out of, you know, 50% of marriages across the board is failures 
and that ends in divorce. So there's a lot of single mothers and fathers and husbands, you know, there's wives. There's a lot of single people out there. A lot of them blended families. Uh, a lot of more people out there who are single, widowed, uh, living by themselves out here. Uh, the internet. So many people are searching on the internet because they need a sense of belonging. A lot of that is. Uh, trying to just make friends. Uh, they should get a, we all should get a sense of belonging here at worship. We belong here. We belong with our Father here. We belong with the Him in worship. Galatians third chapter, verse twenty eight. Paul's right to the churches of Galatia, right there, as he's talking to him. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave or free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that should be separating us whatsoever. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We should not be separated by our wealth or lack of wealth or anything like that. The church, the church and the fact that we need to have this sense of belonging within him. Have this sense of belonging with him. When you go to worship, this is just advice to all of us. When you go to worship there, we should make everybody feel welcome. We should make everybody feel welcome. This is where, because this is where you need to be. I know it's where I need to be. But we should make everybody feel welcome. The Lord makes you feel welcome, but we each need to make everybody feel welcome there. Offer hospitality, make people feel welcome. If you need to be as a church, we meet each other's needs in that. Physical, emotional, most especially spiritual in that. Make people feel useful. Everybody's got a job to do. I don't care how old we are and whatever. We all can have, we've got jobs we can do within the church. And seeing that, you know, something is happening that should be happening here. You look at the Jerusalem church. They did all these things you can talk about here in the book of Acts. He's eating at each other's homes there. Many of them were selling their goods and, you know, and helping and sharing it with others in this. They were teaching and admonishing one another. They were sending people to preach. They were going preaching. They were going teaching elsewhere. Elders were being appointed. Deacons were being appointed in this. They had a real family, a real family unit there, and that's what the church should be. You know, when you talk about Center Grove, it is the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then we should be talking about it as a family. We're a family together here. We are a family. So what do you get out of worship? What do you get out of worship? Well, you should be drawing yourself closer to God. I pray that you have today. You draw yourself closer to God. You should find a direction in your life today, and you should feel like this is where I belong. I belong here, worshiping my God today. You know, and you might say, well, I, I didn't really get that today. <laughs> I didn't get that out of it today. Well, to, ha to belong to God, you gotta, you got to belong to God. you got to be obedient to Him. you got to be obedient to Him and draw yourself near to, unto Him every day there, dedicating your life unto Him so that your worship is acceptable in his eyes. We need leadership 
of all levels within the church that sees the fact that this happens. You and I personally, we need to be studying more to God. We need to be studying His Word. Prepare yourself to worship God. Before you even get here on Sundays or Sunday nights, Wednesdays, you should be prepared to worship God. You should be prepared. And that prayer, study of His Word in this. You know, find and direct yourselves unto the truth. Belonging. If you don't feel like you belong, well, this is the family of God. God should be your father. Brothers and sisters are on each side of you right there. you got brothers and sisters around. This is your church family. And that's how you should be looking at it when you come together here. We should care enough that we welcome others around about us. We support each other. Uh, we serve each other in this right there. And we want them to belong because we care about them. 